can be seated. So I think next week I'm going to get sunglasses. And I think next week we should also get one of those automatic dispensers for sunscreen. What do you think? <laughs> think they make those? Um, I'm going to be burned. But that's all right. Like I said, this is Pentecost Sunday, and we're celebrating the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to look back at Acts chapter 2, at the story Luke tells of that day, the first Pentecost, as the Spirit is poured out upon Jesus' followers, as the church is breathed into life and then sent out to the ends of the earth. So as we turn to hear that story in just a moment, I want to invite you to pray with me. Lord, it's in your light that we see light. It's in your truth that we find freedom and in your way that we find peace. So come, Lord Jesus, and shine upon us. Come, Holy Spirit, and breathe into our dry and dusty lives. Come, that we may live for the glory of the Father, in whose name we pray. Amen. Do whatever you need to do to listen well to these words from the book that we love. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came from heaven the sound like the rush of violent wind, and it filled the entire house in which they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem at that time, and at the sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they were saying, "'Are not all these speaking Galileans?' Then how is it that we hear each of us in our own language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the regions of Libya belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jew and proselyte, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own languages about God's deeds of power. Amazed and astonished, they were saying, what does this mean? But some of them sneered and said, they're full of new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, declares the Lord, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show portents in the heavens above and signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire and smoky mist. The earth will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. And then all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. You that are Israelites, listen to what I say. 
Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders and signs which God did through him among you, as you yourselves know, this man handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified by the hands of those who were outside the law. But God raised him up having freed him from death, for it was impossible for him to be held by its power. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, my tongue will rejoice, and my body also rests secure. For you did not give up my soul to Hades or let your Holy One experience corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life and will make me full of gladness with your presence. Fellow Israelites, I may say to you confidently of our ancestor David that he has died and is buried and his tomb is with us to this day. But since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn an oath to him that he would put one of his descendants upon his throne. Foreseeing this, David spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah when he says he has not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh experience corruption. For this Jesus, God raised up, and of that all of us are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out that which you now see and hear For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let the whole house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. And when they heard him, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other disciples, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter answered, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, that your sins may be forgiven and that you might receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far away and all whom the Lord our God calls. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. And those who welcomed his message were baptized. And that day about 3,000 persons were added. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. There is so much in that passage that we could talk about this morning. We could talk about what it means to be the church now, this new body created with the breath of the Spirit in our lungs. And we did a whole series a few years ago just on verse 42 and what it means to be the church. We could talk about the beauty of Peter's sermon, weaving together Joel 2 and Psalm 16 and Psalm 110 and talking about how those explain what's going on in front of these people and how they all point to Jesus. 
We could just double down onto the gospel and talk about the crucifixion of Jesus, about his resurrection. And since he has exalted and been brought up into heaven and poured out the spirit, that's the sign he is who he says he is. And we should therefore repent, be baptized, have our sins forgiven and receive the Holy Spirit to call on the name of the Lord to be saved. We could talk about so many things, but because today is Pentecost, the birthday of the church, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. We're going to spend our time talking about some things we notice the Holy Spirit doing in this passage. We're gonna talk about three. This is not exhaustive by any stretch of the imagination, but three things we see the Spirit doing. We see the Spirit breathing life, the Spirit gathering a crowd, and the Spirit opening mouths. Breathing life, gathering a crowd, opening mouths. The first thing we see is the Spirit breathing life. The story opens on Pentecost, 50 days after Easter. The disciples are gathered all together in one house and suddenly from heaven there's the sound of the rush of violent wind. I'm glad today is a little windy. I was hoping it would not be still and God didn't disappoint. And when we hear the rush of wind, our Old Testament spidey sense should be going off because we've seen, or rather heard, this before, all the way back in the beginning in Genesis 1. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void and darkness covered over the face of the deep, the wind of God swept over the face of the waters. The wind of God swept over the waters. The Hebrew word is ruach, and it means wind and breath and spirit. Hebrew is a silly language like that. And the author of Genesis wants us to hear, I think, all of those. God's spirit, God's breath, God's wind is out blowing over this formless void when that wind then empowers God's voice to speak creation into existence. Let there be light. And there is. Could it be that that same wind, that same breath is blowing again, rushing out of heaven, sweeping through that gathering of Jesus' followers and about to create something new? God's Ruach shows up again in Genesis 2, just a few verses later, when God is forming Adam out of the dirt of the earth and bends down to breathe into his nostrils the breath of life, and he stands up a living creature. That same breath, that same spirit, wind, fills Adam's lungs to bring him to life. Could it be that God's breath is about to fill the lungs of these half-hearted followers of Jesus to raise them from death to life again? God's spirit, God's breath creates life, creates something out of nothing. The Spirit is on the move that Pentecost morning 2,000 years ago. It filled that whole house in which they were sitting. Tongues of fire appeared among them, resting on them. And there it is, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit up until now is given to few and far between, but it is now poured out upon all of them. And we watch as they're transformed in an instant. And soon they're out on the streets telling about Jesus. And that day, 3,000 people are added to their number and baptized. 
And from here on out, they'll fulfill Jesus' command to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and then out into Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. These timid disciples that 52 days earlier denied and fled when Jesus was arrested, who've been hanging tight in Jerusalem wondering what to do next, they're going to go out into the streets filled with the Holy Spirit and turn the world upside down. The Spirit breathes life. The Spirit creates anew. It transforms and empowers. It breathes life. And when it does, we see that the Spirit also gathers a crowd. One of the outward manifestations of the Spirit that day, on top of the rushing wind and the the tongues of fire, is a gift of another kind of tongue. The ability to speak in other languages. Now this gift isn't what's called glossolalia, speaking in tongues, the charismatic gift that our Pentecostal friends will celebrate. That gift always requires translation. This is actually its opposite, that as they speak, all are able to understand in their own language already. They're able to speak intelligibly in various languages spoken by those visitors who have filled up Jerusalem from every nation under heaven. And the resulting commotion as they do so draws a crowd. People are bewildered, amazed, astonished. Here is this ragtag group of Galileans known for being a backwoods and backwater place who are out in the streets of Jerusalem speaking eloquently in every language imaginable about God's deeds of power in Jesus. See, Pentecost was a Jewish holiday before a Christian one. It's Shavuot that our Jewish brothers and sisters were just celebrating. It's one of the three pilgrim festivals during which Jews who were spread out across the known world in diaspora would gather back in Jerusalem to celebrate, in this case, the giving of God's law to Moses on Mount Sinai and the Jewish nation's birth and creation. So there were that day Jews gathered in Jerusalem from every place imaginable. You heard the extensive list and all of them are able to hear someone speaking in their own language about what God has been doing in Jesus. And so we imagine the commotion. We hear as people are drawn in because the spirit gathers a crowd, but a crowd that's bewildered. They don't understand what they're seeing and hearing. They're confused. Some wonder about it. Others chalk it up to day drinking. And here's why I think that's important. As the Spirit works in our lives, breathing life into us, bearing fruit, a crowd will gather. People will be drawn in whenever the Spirit is at work. We don't need to go out looking for an audience when we are experiencing the transformation of the Spirit in our lives and living differently. A crowd will gather. But it's not going to be apparent to that crowd what it is that they're seeing and hearing. Interpretation is going to be needed. People will see the Spirit's work in our lives. They'll see something different about this community. They will notice, but they will likely also be bewildered. And maybe you've gotten some of those questions. You actually believe that stuff? You do what on your Sunday mornings, as beautiful as these are? 
why do you do that? What's different about you or what's wrong with you? The Spirit breathes life, and as it does, a crowd will gather. But interpretation is going to be needed for that crowd, which is why we are grateful the Spirit does the third thing we noticed this morning. Open mouths. That crowd was bewildered, wondering what they're seeing and hearing. And in all the mayhem, it's Peter who stands up out of the 11 to address the crowd. And I always picture the scene from Robin Hood Men in Tights, Lend Me Your Ears. But it's Peter who stands. Peter, to give a bold sermon about Jesus. Peter, who not too long ago couldn't bear to admit to a servant girl under cover of darkness that he even knew who Jesus was, now stands to boldly proclaim the gospel to a massive crowd in Jerusalem. And there is not much to explain his transformation if not for the gift of the Holy Spirit. If not for those tongues of fire that loosened his tongue to proclaim for all to hear the truth of the gospel of Jesus. As much as anything else, the gift of the Holy Spirit that day is the gift of speech. The fledgling community of Jesus followers suddenly found themselves out in the streets, able to tell about Jesus even in other languages, making sense of who he was and what he had done to anyone who could listen. And all the previous barriers to their communication were torn down because the Spirit had opened their mouths. And this was just what Jesus had promised, if we've been reading along. Luke 12, and remember Luke is the first half of the book of Acts. They're joined together as one. Jesus tells his disciples, don't worry about what you'll say when you need to give an account of your faith, for the Spirit will give you the words. He tells them to trust that the Holy Spirit would open their mouths and give them the words when the time is right. And so Peter stands and opens his mouth to explain to the crowds what it is that they're seeing and hearing. This is what Joel was prophesying. The Spirit finally poured out on all flesh. This is the sign that Jesus, whom David foretold, has not only risen again, but has ascended into heaven, is seated at God's right hand, has received the Spirit, and is now pouring it out. It's all as Jesus said that it was. And this commotion from the Holy Spirit's work is evidence that Jesus is who he says he is and that they too can receive forgiveness and this spirit if they just repent and are baptized and call on the name of their Lord to be saved. And in response that day, 3,000 people become followers of Jesus because the spirit breathes life, gathers a crowd and opens mouths. No, I don't know exactly what the Spirit is saying to you in all of that this morning. What promise is being offered? But I'm feeling led to tell you about the promise that I've been hearing this week in this passage. I'm pretty tired. It's been a long year and I'm worn thin and a little worn out. I don't have the capacity that I'm used to having or the creativity or the focus. And I'm feeling a little unsure and disoriented too, not exactly sure where we are or where we're going or what we need to do to get there, what the next best step is as a church. 
And after the year we've had, I don't think I'm alone in feeling that way. I think we're a little tired. We're a little disoriented and lost and unsure. In other words, I think we're feeling a lot like those disciples were on that Pentecost morning gathered in that room. A little unsure of what's happened, of what's going to happen. A little afraid to go out into the streets and into the crowds. A little tired and worn thin. And so the promise that I've heard and been clinging to is that as we also gather together, that that same spirit that filled their house, that filled them, that breathed life and gathered a crowd and opened their mouths, that that same spirit can fall afresh on us this morning too. That the promise is for them and for their children and all who are far away and all whom the Lord our God calls to him, which means the promise is for us too, for me and for you that the same spirit is going to blow again, is going to fill my lungs with the breath of life, is going to raise me up too, to renew and strengthen and give life, to raise us into Christ's abundant life. And that as we together experience the spirit of God blowing in our midst, a crowd will gather and be drawn in, bewildered but curious about these strange lives we live on this adventure we call following Jesus. And that as they are, our mouths will be opened. That we will be given words to say, our tongues loose to speak in this language, in 21st century English, in words that make sense and are fit to this time and this place and these people. The promise is that the wind of the Spirit did not blow itself out that first Pentecost day, but is blowing still. And as we cling to that promise, as we invite the Spirit to fall afresh today, to rise up and fill our lives. Can I tell you one short story? Just a small glimpse of this happening in our very midst. Can I? Great, thank you. Just a little worried there for a second. So it was a rather mild Saturday at the end of January, and sort of on a whim, Sam and Sarah thought, why don't we have a fire in the woods behind the parsonage? The church owns about two acres back there, and there's a big fire pit in the back. And so they built a big fire and invited a, a number of other younger families in the church to gather outside, masked six feet apart around this fire. We were a little lonely. The idea of connecting with some other people in real life sounded great in January. And those who came loved it. And so we said, well, nobody's got any plans, so why don't we just do this next Saturday too? And we did. And we did it again and again, and it became a thing. And each Saturday we would bundle up, us and our children, and trudge through the snow into the woods to huddle around a little fire six feet apart, trying to warm ourselves. And as we gathered, the conversation changed over those weeks. And the small talk became conversations about job searches and career changes and parenting and illnesses and family trouble. And each Saturday, we found ourselves there out in the woods, six feet apart, huddled around this fire because it was 20 degrees and there was a foot of snow on the ground. 
and we're trying to manage kids as they run around. We're trying to feed them s'mores while they wear mittens. And it should have been a disaster. But people kept coming. And people kept saying things like, this is what gets me through the week. Knowing this is coming is what gets me through the rest of the week and how crazy and difficult work and life is right now. Talk about bewildering. What does it mean? You're doing what on Saturday afternoon in February? How is this a thing? What is going on? Well, I can see now that what was going on was that the Spirit was beginning to do something, was beginning to blow again into our dry and dusty lives, was beginning to awaken something in us, that the Spirit was gathering us together to form a community, to gather in fellowship and prayer, to break bread together and support and encourage one another, that what was happening was that the same Spirit that's been blowing from before creation was blowing again. And that same spirit is blowing this morning. So let's inhale. Let's breathe deeply. Let's receive the gift of the spirit by calling on the name of the Lord. And with the breath of life in our lungs, let's open our mouths to name what Jesus is doing in us and in the world so that others can receive this gift too. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we celebrate today the gift of your Holy Spirit. That as you promised in the Gospel of John, you would not leave us alone. You would not abandon us. But you would send another, the Spirit, an advocate, to come and be united to us that we might be united then to you. That all that you have taught would be taught to us again, would be grown from deep within us that as we abide, the fruit of your spirit might begin to grow in life, that we might be set free from our slavery to sin and death, that our lives might have life breathed into them, that our lips may be opened to speak. Lord, it's this spirit that is the only reason we gather together this morning, because the spirit continues to speak through your word and form a community And we are the offspring of that work, Lord. So come and fall afresh on us right now. Fill our lungs again with the breath of your life, with your wind, with your spirit, and create something fresh and anew. Spirit of the living God, come. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You can remain seated sing this song together. Spirit of Spirit of the living God fall afresh on me Spirit of the living God fall afresh on me
rise to proclaim what Christians believe in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again, he ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You can be seated. As you do, lift up your hearts with me in prayer. We'll conclude this prayer with the Lord's Prayer. Jesus Christ, fully God and fully human, who has come to dwell among us, who lived a life in complete obedience to fulfill for us all the requirements of the law, who died on a cross, who is raised by the power of God the Father, who's ascended into heaven to rule and to reign over all things, Jesus As we pray this Pentecost Sunday, we pray that you would again pour out your Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would rain down upon our dry and dusty lives, that the Spirit would fall afresh today, that we might be caught up into your kingdom, that steadfast love and faithfulness would meet, that righteousness and peace would kiss each other. Lord, we need you. Come, Holy Spirit. This past week has seen violence descend again upon your own homeland, Israel. And while we give thanks for the current ceasefire, we know that peace is fragile and far from the shalom into which you invite us. So Holy Spirit, fall afresh upon us that you are the spirit of peace, of shalom. So come and put an end to bloodshed and war, to violence and injustice in Israel and throughout the world. Tear down the proud and lift up the lowly. Bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Come, Lord Jesus. This week will be the one-year anniversary of the murder of George Floyd. In these last few years, we've seen a growing awareness of racial violence, the growth of identity politics that divides humanity into smaller and smaller warring factions, of polarization that threatens even within your church. So Holy Spirit, fall fresh upon us. You are the one 
the only one with anything useful to say into the divisions of our world. For you are the one who tore down the dividing wall of hostility, who overcame the barriers of gender and race and ethnicity, of socioeconomic standing, of sexuality and ability, even clan and family, and have knit together a people in the name of Jesus. So may we, your church, bear witness to the unity of Christ and seek reconciliation between neighbors in our world. Come, Holy Spirit. This week, this month, this past year has been difficult for so many. We are dry and tired. We are lonely and a little lost. Some are sick and fighting. Some are hungry. Some among us are struggling with anxiety, with fear, with doubt. Some among us are estranged from friends and family members and neighbors. So Holy Spirit, fall afresh upon us. You are the breath of life. You are the creator spirit. So come and blow over our dry bones and raise us into the abundant life of Jesus. Set us free from the chains that bind us. Heal our diseases. Give us the peace that surpasses understanding. Make Jesus real to us. As we gather together now in worship, as we go into this week, may we know the presence of Jesus. Knowing that presence, may we join courageously into the adventure to which he calls us. Leaving behind the world's wisdom, giving up our pride, dying to ourselves, and learning what it means to trust our risen Lord always to lead us in the ways of peace, today, tomorrow, and forever. And so in Jesus' name we pray the prayer that he himself taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.